Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Conversations on Sex, Addictions, and Relationships. My name is Jeannie Vitoni. I'm here with my good friends, Tim Stein and Wendy Conquest. And today we're talking about the difference between selfishness and self-care. What are the differences? What are the similarities? And people's experiences of that, especially when you're in relationships that may be healing. So welcome back. Here we have some cool mugs today. Thanks to our friend, Dan Drake. Yeah. And um, by the way, Dan's not here today, guys. It's just the three of us. Yep, Dan is off presenting at a national conference because, you know, we're all experts in all this stuff and people are clamoring to hear what we have to say. But uh, so I'm, I'm glad that Dan has the opportunity to be out there and speak, but we're, we're missing him today and looking forward to him joining us up again, joining Absolutely. up with us again next time. Sounds great. Right. Sounds that good. Sounds great. So selfishness, self-care. What are your, when I say that, what are your initial hits, guys? Well, um, I, I want to say that um, working, with, um, working with a lot of women, that um, there, there is, and I'll say men too, but I'm, I'm curious what the two of you think, but working with women a lot, um, a lot of women get the message early on that they are selfish. Um, so as little girls and teenagers, they're being told that certain things that they're saying or doing are selfish. And so I get very uh, curious. And I think that um, a lot of people have challenges with uh, what legitimate self-care is. And so I know I've been working a lot with making that di differentiation or just getting a definition for what the, what the difference is between selfishness and self-care. And one of the definitions that has come to the surface is that selfishness is when you say, I, I have a need, and then you communicate that with other people that could be your partner, that could be your family. And the other person says, well, you know, I hear you. And I think this is how we can collaborate around that or how we can figure out a way to get your need met. But, you know, under these circumstances, and then the person says, well, you know what? Yeah, thanks, but no thanks. I'm going to do this anyway. I don't, I'm not taking what you say into consideration really and, um, you know, so there's a, a, a phrase for that, and it's a unilateral decision. One person is making the choice and the decision, whether the, uh, rather than be in consultation or communication with other people. So, um, so that was one definition that came up for selfishness. You know, as you're making the definition of selfishness, I'm thinking we really need to define self-care. Because this is a term that's very much out there. And I actually, I think there's a couple different kinds of self-care. I think you have your, what are activities that are restorative for you, calming and soothing. And so people think of, you know, going for the long walks and, and that kind of a thing. But there's also the restorative soulful piece to me, which is doing activities that bring you joy, being with people who bring you joy. So it's a like an emotional happy joy recharge versus the relaxation piece. And I think both are self-care. So like the definition of selfishness, let's make sure we have common language about what we're talking about. Do you guys have any different definitions of self-care besides those two? 
It could be spiritual as well. I, you said the soulful piece, which are things that are joyful and, and active. So I think of things that bring people joy. Uh, it could be gardening. It could be playing badminton or um, even I'm thinking meeting friends for uh, tea or uh, talking, you know, just talking and communication or sharing a meal. Um, so, um, but I, I get curious about the spiritual piece. Um, so is, you know, so how does somebody get in touch with that authentic self? So if we're talking about um, that we're, we're born into the world with authenticity and then through wounding a false self's created, um, and then we're acting and reacting off of that. How do we get back to, you know, who am I? Who am I really? Who am I authentically? And so I think that that's, uh, does that mean uh, meditation? Does that mean reading some sort of inspirational or spiritual material? Um, is that journaling? Okay. Is that um, just, uh, just, just staring at the clouds and watching the clouds go by? So, um, so I, I, I'm really glad we're having this conversation because um, as we're all working with addiction and healing relationships, both, um, it's, a, it's a piece because addiction is, I see addiction as ramped up, intensity, um, not being able to tolerate um, uh, difficult or challenging emotions. And so uh, I, I'm really enjoying what we're talking about. I think it's important. As, as I'm thinking about this topic, what, what comes to mind for me is this distinction doesn't matter if it's just me. If, if, if I'm just trying to manage my own, my own self-care, whether that's because I'm in recovery, whether that's because I'm overcoming depression or managing anxiety, uh, or, or whether it is uh, me moving on independently in a relation from from a relationship. If it's just me, whatever it is I'm doing to take care of myself, to feel grounded, whether that is things that I add into my life or things that I subtract from my life, but so that I can I can manage, I can function, I can be present, I can sort of, you know, um, be my best self at that moment doesn't really matter whether it's coming from a place of being selfish or whether it's coming from a place of pure self-care where I think this question really gets um, where, where it comes to the forefront is when I'm in relationship with other people and when the choices that I'm making around my self-care impact some other uh, other people whether that's because I'm asking them to do things with me or I'm choosing not to participate in activities with them, or I'm weighting what I want to do more heavily than what they're requesting of me. And so for, and, and so for me, when I, when I think about that, the, the, it's, a, it's a tricky balance of, okay, like, you know, from, like from a work perspective, um, I know that there's a part of me that just wants to work with everybody who contacts me and says, I'd like to come in, I need some help, come into my office. I also know that when I have my schedule over full, that after two or three weeks, I'm not functioning well. I'm not as empathetic as I, I could be. And, and the work that I'm doing with my clients isn't the quality that I expect it to be. And so 
is it selfish of me to tell clients, no, I, I, I technically have space in my schedule, but I'm not going to take, take a new client on. I'm not going to work with you. Or is it self-care? And, you know, some, some people might feel like it's selfish because they really want to work with me and I'm not giving them what they want. I might look at that and say, it's really self-care because I'm not going to be doing good work if I overstretch myself, even though I'm not giving you what you're requesting. So let me, let me jump in here. Cause what yeah. I hear you talking about is, is like another type of self-care or another, uh, another side, another um, piece of it. And you were talking about setting the boundaries, mm-hmm. setting boundaries for myself is one way I keep myself in balance. And that is part of my self-care routine or my self-care needs so that I'm balanced in all areas of my life. And so me setting boundaries is in this example of yours, a self-care behavior. Yeah. Okay. See, so this is why I feel like this this whole idea of self care it's it's a term that's out there. People are talking about it, and a whole lot of people don't know what it means because actually, it means so many things. Yes, it means so many things, and and that's separate from the selfish or indulgent kind of conversation. I'm but I really hear what you're Tim Tim you're saying is like if it's just me myself and I, then th- there's no selfishness. But when I interact with someone else, then I have to, how do I have this in relationship? It's very different. Yeah. What does that balance look like that in that moment? Yeah, but, but I really like, thanks for showing that other part of self-care, which is boundary setting. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so it's really interesting um, because, uh, <laughs> so we say boundaries are really good. I love the fact that we all start getting a little interested and it's like, okay, yeah, ideas in my head. <laughs> all right, go for it. Yeah, the but so this this piece around boundaries and and I, I'm thinking that both of you, like like I do, talk to clients about boundaries a lot, and um, and I get the reaction of I have no idea what a boundary is. I have no idea what you're talking about. And, um, and so tell me what that means. Tell me how to do that. Um, and I feel really guilty when I say to somebody, I can do this, or I can't do this, or I want to do this, you know, so, so what does a boundary mean? And I don't know if we do a whole podcast. On, that is a whole yeah, other, that's a whole podcast all on its Next. own. Yeah. But I will say that, um, that boundaries Okay, let me ask, I, let's put this in there. Can ba- boundaries, quote unquote, for those um, watching or listening to the audio, boundaries, quote unquote, can boundaries become selfish? And the reason I'm bringing this up is that I have been hearing recently people setting boundaries like, um, you know, I have, I have my life, I have my recovery, you have your life, you have your recovery. And so you just take care of you. So it's so interesting as we're talking about self-care and a lack of being selfish, being in communication with other people, being in connection with other people, is this distinction between your recovery, my recovery, you know, my life, your life, it, does that become aggressive and, and actually not helpful? Well, let me, let me give a, a, a slightly different analogy for us to consider. 
And I'm encouraging us, let's make sure we also stay in the self-care selfishness right. topic today. So, yes. so the, 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 what I would toss out is, are we talking about two separate things or are we talking about a continuum? Can I be actively doing self-care and be selfish? Can I be, can, can being selfish in the, the self-care that I do be appropriate, even though it's selfish and it may not be weighing other people's needs equal to my own? I love that because I'm always telling clients like, why is it all or nothing? Where's the third option, the fourth option, the fifth option in the middle? So, so this is very interesting of, can I be, well, and then in my like, okay, level of healthiness, is it, would it be healthy to practice self-care and others be uncomfortable or put out or not being provided for if one is doing self-care? So, so I don't know. I feel like that's, that's kind of murky. Yeah. I think, well, well, I know I I just want to just add in here, right? So how do we know is, is a part of self-care knowing when we're doing too much. So, so what Tim was saying of if I, if I just see every single client, you know, and I work, I just load my week up with, you know, working six days a week, um, that that's now that that's going to push somebody over the edge sooner or later. Mm -hmm. And so when, where, how do we know where the tolerance is? How do we know when we're doing self-care or falling, falling out. And, and I'm just going to add a little thing. Sometimes when people aren't practicing self-care, they feel like the other people around them are being selfish. When someone is not practicing self-care, they feel like the others are being selfish. Uh-huh. That you makes sense to me. They're more reactive. They're more irritable. So, so for example, if somebody is um, overworking, um, and um, and then they're, they're overworking, they're overproviding, and then they turn to the other, and the other people are like, okay, you know, you want to do this stuff, go ahead and do it. I'm, I, and I'm doing my thing, and then all of a sudden, the person that's overextending says well, what have you done this week? Did you, did you clean the house? Did you take care of the kids? Did you water the plants? And they're like, no, cause you're doing it all. <laughs> and they're like, that's right. I'm doing it all. And I'm really upset about that. But they, they haven't set the, the, the boundaries for themselves. Yeah. Okay. And, and, and the other, I, I think the, another way that shows up is like, I'm making sure that I do self-care. So I'm I'm taking time to meditate. I'm taking time to make phone calls. I'm taking time to step away and really do the things I need to do to be grounded. And my partner might say, you're doing all this stuff and you're not involved with the family. You know, you, every Wednesday night, you're gone going to a meeting and every Tuesday you're off doing therapy and you're never here. And, you know, and yet those might be very integral parts of self-care. So I, 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 the, the idea that's coming into my mind is that the exact same behavior might be selfish or it might be self-care or it might be a little of both. And so, you know, the, the, the question of, will we absolutely know if this is self-care or will we absolutely know if this is selfishness? In some ways, I don't know that, that we've got that answer. I think it's one of those things where we have to look at the individual situations 
and, and do our best to weigh out the impacts on everyone and, 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 and make our best educated guess at if we're holding that balance. I, I, I'm, I'm going to say it's in the coupleship, in the relationship with, with ever whom you're in the relationship, that same care behavior, self-care behavior could be healthy, but in the context of this relationship currently, it might be too much given the system's needs. Yeah. So if Susie, you know, is used to, you know, she's a marathon runner and she's running 15 miles every, every couple of days or on the weekends, but yet the, the kids need to go to soccer and, and dad's out of town or whatever. I'm just saying, how do we manage that same behavior? Like you said, could be self-care and given the context and the, the needs of the system, how is that negotiated? Mm-hmm. Because yes, I think it could be self-care and it could be selfish at the same time, but that's got to be renegotiated. And I would say individualized in each system. Um, so let's go back to self-care because I'm curious. Three things. What are three things that you all do for self-care? And are you talking about joy recharging or are you talking about relaxation? Are you talking about groundedness? Like give some examples to the world and I'll, I'll share too. Um, sure. So for me, three things that I do for self-care, the first one uh, is saying no which is not, not easy for me and it is not my, my go-to, but saying no to I can't do this project, saying no to I can't take on a more, a more clients, saying no to because I can overstretch myself and then I'm not functioning well. So learning to say no and have that boundary is something that I have to consciously do in order to do self-care. Mm-hmm. Um, I also keep myself active. You know, I play soccer, I, I, I mountain bike, I play tennis, um, physical activity for me is one of those things that helps me to to function well not just physically but but emotionally and mentally and so um making sure that i've got activities that i'm relatively consistently involved in is um something that i do for self-care and then the third thing for me um is staying connected with people and sort of having that transparency i make at least two phone calls almost every day to guys i know in recovery just to check in, regardless of whether I'm having a rough day or I'm having a great day. But needing to sort of take that step forward to be transparent and just say, hey, here's how I'm doing. Here's what's going on with me. Here's what what, what I predict my day is going to be like. And here's how I'm going to sort of take care of myself today and and being transparent as opposed to sort of shutting down and, and locking people out and just sort of like staying very isolated to myself. Mm-hmm. That step into transparency and being known to other people, uh, I find it essential for me when it comes to my own uh, my own self care. Cool, good examples, good examples. Thank you, Wendy. Um, I'm still thinking, Jeannie. Why don't you? Why don't you? Go? <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay, no, that's great because that's that's a good deep thinker, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I th- I think <clears throat> you know I'm in I'm in my thinking head when I go up to that side being in balance between my quiet introverted self and my outgoing extroverted self. So for me, making sure when I'm spending time outside my home and work, I'm with people that I love, they love me, and I have joy when I'm with them, which helps then calms me, centers me. 
Um, but balancing that with my quiet time of gardening, reading a book, going for a walk by myself and just being in my own head. I find that if I get out of balance with that, then I either feel isolated or I feel sort of worn out. So for me, that's a balancing. Um, I would also say a self-care thing for me is, is um, mindful breaks. And this is me like stopping where I am in my world and saying, I'm gonna go for a walk and I'm just gonna let the world go and I'm just gonna be by myself and I'm gonna look around or I'm gonna sit down and read my book and I'm gonna read my book for half an hour and it's my, like mindfully reminding myself this is my time and it's quiet and it's just me and it's gonna be fine. Um, a third one is, is having activities that make me laugh. Sometimes I will purposely go for movies or watch comedies or I've got certain friends that I think are hysterical and so when I went around them <clears throat> and I'm laughing, that for me is a big stress release, but it's also a connection with them. And then I walk away going, oh, that was so good. So those are just kind of off the top of my head. Okay. Got some ideas, Wendy? Yeah, I do. I don't know if I can limit it to three. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so, and, uh, uh, so, so there's a company called Intelligent Change, and they oh. have uh, produced this thing called the Five Minute Journal. And uh, they, uh, they they don't have any sponsorship for our program or anything else. <laughs> I've just I, um, I I've just been uh, I, I was introduced to this a long time ago, and so it's a journal. And every day uh, you start the day. They want you first thing in the day to write thing, three things you're grateful for. Uh, two things that would make the day great, and two affirmations. And so this journal is uh, research-based on how to change the uh, neuroscience, the neurochemistry and neuroscience of the brain. Um, and so th these things basically prime your thoughts and thus your behavior for, uh, for, for the day. And so I find that when I do this, my day just goes very, very differently than when I don't. Um, and at the end of the day, the last thing you're supposed to do is uh, have write two things that made the day amazing and then uh, two things you would have done different. So it's uh, uh, taking inventory of really what was wonderful during the day and then, oh, you know, was there anything that you would have wanted to change? So bringing that awareness to the, to the front. Um, so I, I like that. I like that a lot for my self-care. Um, the other piece, uh, another piece would be at night, <sighs> I sleep and rest much better when I read something that is non-work related. Uh, so novels are one of my favorites and uh, it, it, you know, the, the material doesn't really matter, but um, going into a different world at the end of the day is really um, opens my mind up um, toward and lets me sleep much better. Did you guys know there's such a thing as sleep hygiene? Yes, a couple. Of, yeah, I learned yeah, that. Another episode on that. Yeah, on sleep hygiene. It's really important. <laughs> um, and I and then the um, 
The other thing that I've been doing recently is bike riding. So um, I bought a new bike and I'm in Boulder, Colorado. So the trails here are, are amazing. We consistently put more and more money into acquiring more and more open space. So, um, but I think wherever you are in the country, if you uh, find roads that are bike accessible or walking accessible, um, there's a lot of research being done on connecting with nature and how that really helps our brains and resets our brains. Mm-hmm. So those are three things that I do for self. Thank you. So let me ask you to think about this. It, it might be some of the things that you just talked about that you do for self-care. I'll do the same. Or it might be other things. When has self-care been something you had to consciously pay attention to or that you've talked with clients or or friends consciously about about balancing that self-care with being selfish when when have you had to sort of like walk that balance of this is self-care but am i being selfish in the process and what does that balance look like that's a might be appropriate as best as i can get it in this moment you know i want to also invite to maybe not also personal disclosure but other situations with clients yeah clients are describing clients exactly So I can answer that generally is, I think, so I'll say for myself and then I'll say for myself, when I start a a something new um, or restart something new, um, to me, it can feel selfish. However, if it becomes routine, it's not selfish anymore. Um, So if I am um, going bike riding every single you know, Thursday evening or Thursday afternoon. And that just is part of my routine and everybody knows about it. It doesn't feel selfish. Um, however, if it's a Friday afternoon and I say, oh gosh, you know, I think I'm going to go in the yard and, and I'm just going to puddle, you know, piddle around and garden and, oh, I don't know. Do I have other things to do? Oh, I don't know. Should I really be doing this? That's when my own self-doubt starts to to come to be. And what I find with clients is when I first ask them to start doing self-care, there's a lot of reasons why it's impossible. Um, You know, the the kids need me, my family needs me. um, I have too much recovery work to do. That's that's I have too many meetings. I can't do any other, I can't do any other self-care. It's like, okay, let's talk about this. Um, So so that's what I see is at the beginning of doing a new behavior or a new regime mm-hmm. is when the feeling of selfishness starts coming up. You know, do I dare give this to myself? Let me remind our viewers that this is conversations on sex addiction and relationships. Here's our cool logo. And Wendy Conquest, Tim Stein, Jeannie Vitoni, and Dan Drake is absent today, but we are talking about self-care and selfishness. What is that? And let's have a full conversation about it. I wanted to come, when you said just now, Wendy, about um, folks in recovery, how do I do self-care? I'm going to all these other recovery meetings and responsibilities. I went in my mind to the, to the partner of the person in recovery. Wait a second. He, she, who's in recovery, I'm back here at the homestead <laughs> managing all the stuff that that person is not able to help with because their recovery is being prioritized, which I get and I want. And yet I'm doing double duty over here and um, I need some self-care. 
So, so now we've just entered into a whole relational, selfish self-care, what's needed for recovery or healing. And for folks not in recovery, sometimes still one person will get very involved in an activity and the other person like, wait a second, how come I'm left holding all the bags mm-hmm. kind of a piece. So again, I think that goes back to that negotiation in the, the system. Yeah, I, I, I like that, that negotiation because sometimes it might be <clears throat> that I am just taking up all the time and I'm not willing to give back. And it really is while I'm doing stuff for self-care, I'm becoming a vacuum and I'm not allowing there to be space for the other person. And sometimes it might be I'm stepping into self-care and my partner doesn't like it, but they're up, but what but what they're up unhappy about is that they haven't been willing to or they're afraid to step in to create their own dynamics. You know, like I, I think about the uh, a couple that I know where uh, he was starting to step out and, and be, be more active and, and sort of like get into self-care and sort of figuring out what that looks like. And uh, he shared with me a conversation he had with his wife where she was rather frustrated with him. And, he's, and And he said to her, look, take a night for yourself and go do something, figure out what you want to do and go do it. And it really was a challenge for her of what did she want to do? She had never had, wasn't at a point in her life where she had that. And so figuring out what she wanted to do and then him encouraging her and taking up the, the slack so that she could step out and take an evening and go, go find what her self-care was out there. And so her frustration with him sort of stepping in and doing things was really more a, a, a lack of her stepping out. And so sometimes there's a piece of, I really am being selfish. And sometimes there's a piece of, I'm, I, I'm resentful of you because you have something that I want, but I don't know how to get there. I think that absolutely can happen in relationships where one person is, is delving into this and then the other person's like, hey, wait a second. I think, you know, depending on the history of the relationship, sometimes that hasn't been mutually encouraged. Yeah. <clears throat> and so this one-sidedness has continued where that person is now stepping out into self-care and other activities that are healthy. But the other partner's like, wait a second, I'm still not equal partner here. So I think it's a very important piece, what you're talking about, Tim, is the person who's saying, hey, how do I say this? Support the person who's sort of left behind or hasn't yet felt comfortable or doesn't know how to, or sort of hasn't been allowed by the system. Yeah. Hey, I want you to get that too. I want, you know, so supporting and reshifting those dynamics to be equal parallel. I mean, equal, equal distance, equal power is what I'm trying to say. So it's not just one stepping out. No, well, she won't. She she's not stepping up. Well, hey, now, let's make sure the power differential is is changed. So both people are supporting each other, and not you're not doing good enough, or I'm doing too much, and therefore I'm bad. So I'm curious what your answer is when you hear a partner say, "The addict." the addict, my partner, they're totally selfish. It used to be that they were never home. They were working all the time. And now I know they were acting out left and right. And no, God knows what, and they've just replaced that being gone with, with going to meetings and making phone calls and meeting with sponsors. And they're still never around. They're just completely selfish. It's just looking different now. Mm-hmm. How, what, what, what do you say to partners when they have that that experience of 
well, great, they're in recovery, but I'm still alone. Right. Can I, and I just want to say that um, we, we work as clinicians, for those listening, we work a lot with what's called um, attachment styles. And so we'll do another podcast on that. But basically, this is how someone was raised and then um, how they are acting and reacting in their relationships. And one of the attachment styles is avoidant attachment or um, fearful avoidant. And so uh, this is for addicts, but this is also for people in the general public who um, have their, their, uh, their knee-jerk reaction in relationship is to avoid or to pull away. So, um, and that can look like selfishness. So, um, so what I would say to the person that's experiencing that is, um, <laughs> Um, first of all, are you naming your own attachment style because avoidant attachment and, and anxious attachment seem to hook up sometimes. Um, so so uh, first of all, are you saying to the other person, I'm, and boy, you know, this has come up recently too. Please, please, please use I statements instead of you. So I feel I'm experiencing that you're spending a lot of time away from the family. You're spending a lot of time uh, doing other activities. I'm feeling abandoned. I'm feeling alone. I'm feeling sad. I'm feeling, right? So people can hear that kind of language so much better than if you were using you terminology, you're never home, you're never with me, you're a problem. <laughs> people don't react very well to that. So that would be a first piece. I'm just, I'm just hesitating here because, um, you know, I got all these partners in my brain who are going, True, I can use I statements. I'm good with I statements. And there are some, you know, there are some facts. If one person is spending a lot of time at work, a lot of time in their own activities, a lot of time in their addiction, a lot of time in, in recovery, the other partner, especially when it's a family system and there are kids involved, the other partner is managing a lot. And so it's, it's, I'm attachment. I might feel abandoned and such. And sometimes I am, and I don't mean emotionally abandoned, but I am missing the, the, the in-person assistance in the managing of our family life. Mm -hmm. And so I'm back to negotiation of giving your family system and the way your family works, what is, what is workable? for outside the family self-care time? You know, I, Jeannie, I gotta ask, um, because I'm, I'm following you I, and I'm in complete agreement. Um, and I've heard people say, I've asked, I've, I've demanded, I've done it all, Wendy. You mm -hmm. know, I've asked, I've, I've threatened, I've- I used my I statements. I've used my I statements. I've done everything. And they're still not, helping they're still not understanding there's or they will for a little while but then they just go back doing to whatever they want and not really present mm -hmm. with me or with the family mm -hmm. and and i would say okay is that selfishness is that being egocentric is that in their own world because now if so like that's except for the selfishness. now we're on another episode now we're talking about something different 
Yeah. But and, the, yeah. And, 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 and we're a little bit off topic here, a little also because we're talking about, well, how do I, as the partner, what can I do when my, when my partner is acting in a selfish way? And I don't, I don't know there's, there's much we can do other than you know, set our boundaries, say this is what I expect, and be willing to follow through on, on consequences you know, when, when we're asking our partner to meet us differently. In recovery, but there's that other side of it, which is that you know, addicts in recovery will often hear, you have to make your recovery the number one thing in your life, because if you're not sober, you are not going to really be able to be present and functioning at your work, in your relationship, as a husband or a wife, as a parent. And so there's that, there is an inherent push in, in many recovery communities that encourages the addict to be on the selfish side so that they can be present with other parts of their life. And uh, I, I will just say, like, I, I know for myself that when I'm adding new activities into my life, one of the things that I have to consciously pay attention to is, is by adding this into my life, yes, I'm going to be doing it by myself, you know, not usually with my partner or with my family, sometimes with, and it's going to be rejuvenating and it's going to bring some, some joy to my life. Is it bringing joy to my life in a way where I'm being pulled away from my family or is it bringing joy into my life where I'm, 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 I'm being reinvigorated so that I can come back and spend time with my family in a, in a more grounded and present way. And I'm still allowing there to be space in my life to go off and have a date night with my wife, to go off and, and do some fun things with my kids, to spend quality time with others. And so sometimes self-care activities can be just pulling me away to be grounded and it's a very individual isolating event and sometimes it can be pulling me away to be grounded so that I can come back and reconnect mm -hmm. in the way that I want to be present and that I, I that's something that I keep in my mind as I'm trying to sort of hold that balance between self-care and selfishness I'm gonna I'm gonna say back to negotiation yeah right absolutely recovery how it needs to be your number one priority because that's how you achieve healthiness and bring healthiness back to your family and repair relationships and i would say i would encourage that person to come back to their relational partner and say this is what i need to do i'm being given this message i'm being encouraged to have it as my priority how does that work in our family how does that work for us for work for weekends, for weeknights, for child responsibilities? How does that work for us? Because I need to learn balance. <clears throat> I can't all be here, <clears throat> excuse me. And I need to be sensitive to the fact that there's other people in my subsystem. There's other people in my family system. So in my mind, it's like, you know, is it self-care? Is it selfishness? And my answer would be go back and talk about it, communicate, have discussion. What are the pros and cons? What are the opinions? How do the two of you want to work this out? And I want to add that um, after they have that discussion, that every week they're doing a check-in and saying, how is this plan going Yeah, you know, with what we put in place? Is it working? Is it not? Because I've had the experience where a lot of people will have that first discussion and they put it in place mm -hmm. and then either that someone falls off of the plan and it goes back to what it was 
and no one, and then months go by and then there's anger and resentment. Um, and so doing those weekly check-ins and saying, all right, are we good? Is it working? Oh, that's not working. Let's tweak this. Let's change that and have a continuing discussion. I'm going to say for a full year, mm-hmm. like weekly check-ins for a full year. And if that sounds like a lot, it's not. <laughs> I, I think that's a sign of healthiness that it, when you've got relationships and systems that can say, you know what, we agreed, we had this mutual plan. It's doesn't seem to be working for X or Y. So how can we flex and edit and change a new plan? And, and that's, I, to me, that's like a sign of a healthy system that can have those flexing conversations and sort of renegotiate and recommit and then say, you know what, let's look at it again in a little bit and see how it's working. I think that's a healthy system. I want to wrap us up and thank everyone for joining us. We've been talking about self-care, selfishness, relationships, negotiations, boundaries. And uh, I'm sure this uh, conversation today will lead to many other conversations. And I encourage you to stay tuned, watch more, like us on Facebook, social media, Instagram, all the places that I really don't know, but I'm learning about. And so thanks for being with us. Bye-bye.